You may be seated. Right, we're getting into it now. We're excited about 2024 and all that God is doing and going to do in his church and in this city and in this nation, New Zealand, Aotearoa. So we are disciples of Christ. We are warriors in the army of the Lord. And this is an analogy. Um, Whatever ground the army takes, there is always a fight for it. The way we fight is spiritual because it's a spiritual battle. Whatever the ground the Lord has called you to take personally in 2024 in your own life and with your family this year, there will always be a fight for it. The ground the Lord's called us to take, the territory we're taking off the devil as a church, there will always be a fight for it. Satan's not just going to give it to us. So we have to be ready to always be taking territory for Jesus. So are you up for the fight? Yes, we are up for the fight. Our preparation to be battle ready is to have a weapon at hand. So today my title is Take Up Your Sword. The sword is a symbol of the word of God, scripture, the Bible. Now two places in the New Testament, the word of God is pictured as a sword. And Hebrews 4 verse 12 is one. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. Now, in order to have a biblical worldview, which is important, we need to know the Bible. We need to be reading it, or you can be listening to it every day. Many people in our society struggle with reading, and that's fine. And in New Testament times, everyone would have been hearing it because 90% plus people, they reckon back in New Testament times, were illiterate, so they would have heard it being read in a church service or um, heard it from people word of mouth. But, you know, there's so many amazing apps you can get on your phone now, and it'll read it to you, which is great. So every time I talk about reading the Bible, I also mean you can be listening to it. So we need to be reading it and listening to it every day. So much so that we actually wear it out because it's falling to bits because it's been so handled. And there's, um, you know, Trash Your Bible. That's a course, actually, that C3 College runs by Katie Helding, Trash Your Bible. Um, Like Charles Spurgeon once said, the Bible that is falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. Amen. So when we read the Bible, we're filling our hearts with God's truth. It is vital in these times that we live in that we know and that we stand for the truth, the truth of the Lord. You know, in this day and age, we see it on TV, there's fake news. There's fake identities. There are deep fake images. You can even get false eyelashes. You can even get fake boobs and fake butts of all things. If there's bits of you you don't like, you can just cut it off or pump it up. Come on. Fake is everywhere. So we have to learn how to spot a fake. How do you spot a fake, a lie, a counterfeit? By knowing the truth. And, you know, like the experts in spotting counterfeit money, how do they train them? They don't study counterfeit notes. Oh, no, they study the real thing, and then they know it so well they can instantly spot a fake. 
Jesus told us that many deceptions would come in the last days. He talked about this in Matthew 24, verse 4 and 5, and Luke 21, verse 8. Knowing God's truth protects us from being deceived by a lie. And if we know the truth well, we can instantly spot a lie. It's like, you know, you can just smell it. Something's off around here. And it just doesn't ring true. The second New Testament scripture about the word of God being like a sword is Ephesians 6, 17b, the armor of God. And it talks about, you know, in the armor of God in that whole chapter, you know, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the feet bound with the readiness of the gospel of peace. And we take up the shield of faith with which to quench all the fiery doubts of the enemy. We have the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, soldiers wear armor to protect themselves. We are soldiers. We've got to wear our armor. The armor of God protects us from spiritual attack. So are you wearing your armor? Tell the person next to you, you better go and get your armor. You better go and get your armor. Yes, get your armor. Every piece of the armor is defensive except the sword. The sword is our only offensive weapon. It's the word of God. And with the word of God, we take down the enemy. Satan fears the sword, the word, because he knows it can take him down. And his strategy is to keep God's people swordless without the word. And I'm going to read my main text now, a little bit from the Old Testament, 1 Samuel 13, about the swordless army. The army of the Lord, it was swordless and it was a sad day. 1 Samuel 13, we'll pick it up in verse 16. And it was an interesting time. Here we go. I think I've got it right here. I'll pick it up. I'll go from verse 15. Samuel, the prophet, left Gilgal, went on his way, but the rest of the troops went with Saul to meet the army. They went up from Gilgal to Gibeah in the land of Benjamin. When Saul counted the men who were still with him, they found only 600 men. Saul and Jonathan and the troops with them were staying at Geba in the land of Benjamin. The Philistines, that's the enemy, set up their camp in Michmash. Three raiding parties soon left the camp of the Philistines. One went north towards Oprah oh, <laughs> in the land of Shuel. Another went west to Beth Horon. And the third moved towards the border above the valley of Zeboim near the wilderness. There were no blacksmiths in the land of Israel in those days. The Philistines wouldn't allow them for fear they would make swords and spears, spears for the Hebrews. So whenever the Israelites needed to sharpen their plowshares, picks, axes, or sickles, they had to take them to a Philistine blacksmith. The charges were as follows. A quarter of an ounce of silver for sharpening a plowshare or a pick, an eighth of an ounce for sharpening a sickle, an axe, a sickle, or an ox goad. So on the day of the battle, none of the people of Israel had a sword or spear, except for Saul and Jonathan. That's the king and his sons. So this is a sad day. The people of God were swordless. They had no weapon. Now, the enemy had been beaten by the people of God. 20 years earlier, Israelites had beaten the Philistines. But the enemy had been slowly taking back ground little by little till they had the people of God under their thumb weaponless. Now, this sounds vaguely familiar because I think truly today the people of God are lacking in weaponry. 
Yeah, we have a sword, a Bible at home beside our bed, but do we use it? Has it got any dust on it? I think it was Spurgeon. No, it was Wesley, one of those two, who said, there is enough dust on some of your Bibles to write damnation with my finger. (laughs) But I wouldn't say that because I'm nice. (laughs) You know, we have a sword, but do we use it? Do we wear it strapped on every day like a soldier does? And do we know how to use our sword in battle against the enemy? Or is our sword purely ornamental? Hanging there on our side, oh, like a piece of jewellery. Do you like my sword? It's so shiny. Bit of bling. It's not just decorative. It's meant to be used. There seems to be a decline in the Western church of Bible literacy. This is Bible reading, Bible listening, knowing the word. And this condition leaves us wide open to attack from the enemy. When God's people are swordless, like in this chapter I just read, we are defenseless and we are vulnerable. Verse 19 of what I just read, we see the enemy is trying to stop the people of God from being battle ready by taking out the blacksmiths. What are blacksmiths? They are those who sharpen the weapons and the swords. Spiritual blacksmiths those who sharpen the word of God in people's lives so it's not dull and blunt, but it's sharp and ready to bring damage to the enemy. So what we see here is the Philistines, the picture of the enemy, the devil, had shut down all the blacksmiths in God's land. Now we know Satan's got no new tricks. He still uses this strategy today. He tries to restrict and deny our access to blacksmith shops, i.e. places where we can get our swords sharpened i.e. places where the word of God can be sharpened as the cutting edge in our lives. I'm talking about church. I'm talking about connect group and youth. You are in a blacksmith's shop right now. You are getting the word of God sharpened in your life. These are places where God's word is talked about and we sharpen each other like iron sharpens iron. We sharpen the word in each other. So the devil tries to discourage and distract us from the vital activity of keeping our swords sharp. And what distractions does he use? Same old, same old. Work, sports, hobby, family, wrong friends, social media. He whispers lies to us. So you don't have time to go to church today. Again, as I've said before, I'm not demon-possessed. This is, I'm pretending this is my devil voice. Okay, just pretend, just pretend. You've got too much to do to go to church. You're too busy to go to Connect Group. You've had a hard day. You deserve to stay home and watch some Netflix and put your feet up. You deserve a sleeping on Sunday morning. Just stay home and spend quality time with your family. Hello, the best thing we can ever do for our family is to take them to the house of God. Take them to the blacksmith shop to get their swords sharpened. Out there in kids' church, the best thing you can ever do for your marriage and your kids is to bring them all to kids' church, to empower, to youth, to Easter camp. That'll sharpen them up. Now, we see in this text that some blacksmiths were even working for the enemy. Whoa! We've got to be careful which blacksmiths we use. We have to be careful about who we let sharpen our swords. There's some great podcasts online, there's some great preachers, but there's some crazy stuff too. 1 Timothy 4 verse 1 talks about how in the last days some will depart from the faith and follow doctrines of demons. 
We've got to guard against deception and wrong doctrine. And the freaky thing about deception is we don't know when we are deceived. So many believers, it's amazing to me, so many believers will take heed of a preacher on the internet and, and follow that guy who they don't even know, who they've never even met. Yet they will not listen to the voice of the shepherd God has put in their life, their connect group leader, their local church pastor, that spiritual mum and dad in their church who they know and talk to and pray with and can see and touch. Let's be careful who we listen to and allow to speak into our lives. We need to follow the examples of people whose godly lives we can actually see and interact with. Your connect group leader, those who you journey with and see weekly at church and connect group. This is real stuff. This is discipleship. Not just some random preacher on the internet. Verse 20, behold the swordless army we see here. So all God's people had to fight with were some farming implements, some hose picks, sickles, ox goads, those sharp things they get their ox to work, to make their ox work, plowshares, all these things, farming things. It's pathetic. They were no match for the enemy. All they had was simple, crude, practical tools. Now these are handy things, useful things in peacetime, but they were never designed to be used in battle. We too can rely on our everyday practical tools that we're familiar with, things that we use every day, things that we know how to use well, practical things that we have mastered with our own skill, the works of our hands, self-reliance, things we have carved out ourselves. These things are sword substitutes. Many of God's people today are trusting in sword substitutes, even things like career, wealth, lots of insurance, lifestyle, reputation, our own righteousness. Some of these things are not bad things, but we cannot rely on them in battle. Sword substitutes will not help us when the enemy attacks. It is time to take up our swords again. It is time to take up our swords again in Jesus' name. It's shiny, but it's sharp. Nothing can really substitute for a sharp sword. Watch out if you've got a ponytail, don't come near me. <laughs> when the fight is on, you need your sword. When the enemy comes in, we will attack him with the word of God. It's not our words. It's not our positive confessions. It's God's word because the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God carries His authority and His power, and that is why Satan fears the sword. He fears it because it can take him down. He tries to restrict our access to the Word. He tries to get us to not pick up our sword because he knows we can and will use it against him. He knows that this is what will bring him down, the word of God, the sword of the spirit. The devil fears us having our sword at the ready. He fears us having it sharpened and ready and alive inside us. Satan is not scared of a few farming implements. He is not intimidated by the tools and the works of our hands, our sword substitutes. It is the sword he fears because he knows the sword can take him out. Only the word of God, the sword of the spirit, can deal a death blow to the enemy. Kia ora to Bruce for loaning me that. 
Verse 21, the enemy was so dominating God's people that they were in servitude and bondage. God's people were even paying a huge price to have something sharpened that was not even a sword. Verse 22, we see out of this whole army, only two of them had swords. What use is an army with no weapons? A swordless army is useless. The Lord does not want his people to be a swordless army. He needs people who are not afraid of the enemy, who are not on the run from the enemy, but who take on the enemy fearlessly with their swords. Only two people who had a sword were the leaders, Jonathan and his dad, King Saul. So we have senior pastor Saul and youth pastor Jonathan were the only ones with weapons, with swords. But it is not enough for just the leaders to have a sword. It's not enough for just the pastors to know the word of God. We each need to have our own sword. We each need to know how to handle our sword in the day of battle, in Jesus' name. We each need to know and use the word of God. We each need to know how to get a word from Scripture and declare it aloud and stand on it in faith and prophesy it over our lives and pray it into being. This is spiritual warfare, people. Tell the person next to you, take up your sword. Tell the person on the other side because I'm feeling left out right now. Take up your sword. Amen. You know, all over the Western world, the devil has convinced God's people that they, they don't need a sword. They don't really need a sword. Because the pastor's got one. Oh, I don't really need to read my Bible. Because the pastor's spiritual enough for us both. The pastors, they know their Bible, so I don't need to bother. I'll just turn up on Sunday and listen to them teach me the Bible. Well, it's nice you come on Sunday and we encourage that. But remember, what you get from the pastor is secondhand revelation. God wants to give you firsthand revelation. He wants you to have your own sword so you hear his revelation through it, through the word every day and be in it every day. It may be okay in peacetime for only the leaders to have a sword. But we are now moving into a day of intensifying spiritual battle. And this day is no longer future. It is upon us now. We are living in the last days and we each need to take up our swords now. We each need to get into some serious training to know how to use it. I'm talking about daily Bible reading or listening. I'm talking about scripture memorization. Bring back the scripture on the toilet door. Hallelujah. You're sitting there on the throne. You might as well do something productive while you're there. I am talking about weekly prioritizing connect group, church, youth. Or however old you are, young adults, young professionals, young marrieds, young families. And if you're not starting with young, then you can go to Connect Group or Senior Saints or Community Bible Study. C3 College, hallelujah, to be trained in the Word. It is no longer enough to just get the pastor on speed dial. Pastor, help me. I'm having a crisis. Help me, help me. Quick, give me a scripture. Give me a scripture now so I can pray it over my crisis situation. You've got to learn how to use a sword yourself. As long as God's people are swordless, they are neither free nor victorious. 
We have to, each of us, take up our sword again. We have to strap it on every morning and make it part of what we wear every day. Every day. Get into it. Every day, put it on. If we read on in chapter 24, we see there is a happy ending to the story. Because the guy with the sword won a great victory that day. Jonathan, he had a sword, so he initiated the attack on the enemy. You can do this stuff when you have a sword and know how to use it. Having a sword in hand gives you confidence against the enemy. And get this, Jonathan not only saved himself from enemy domination, he not only saved his family, he saved the whole nation. He saved all of the people of God, his whole country. And then others got behind him because he was winning a victory with his sword, which represents the word of God. His armor bearer came along. Those in God's army, oh, get this, those in God's army who had defected to the enemy came back. I'm talking about backsliders coming back to the Lord. We are living in the days of the book of Ruth being acted out now because Naomi went away from God. She went into the world, into Moab. But then she smelt the smell of bread being cooked in Bethlehem, the house of bread. She, she heard that God was visiting his people again and, pro, and providing for them. So she comes back to the house of bread, the house of the word of God in Bethlehem. And she brings her non-Christian hang-along plus one, Ruth. We are going to see prophetically backsliders coming back into the kingdom, into the house of God. And they will bring their unchurched plus one. They're non-Christian friends, hangers-on, partners. Get ready, get ready. In Jesus' name, the backsliders are coming back. When we have a go for God with our sword, it has great effect. Many people are delivered and led into victory. Now we're going to have a little bit of direction before we finish on how to use our sword. We have to speak it out. We have to not just put it in, we have to then get it out our mouths. We have to declare it. We have to prophesy it. Romans 4 verse 17b talks about God who gives life to the dead and calls the things that are not as though they were, past tense. So God, he is into calling the things that do not exist into being. He calls the things that are not as though they are, or in this vision, as though they were. We see here that God prophesies and speaks things into being. He speaks out commands and things happen. And we know this is how he made the universe back in Genesis. He just said it. He didn't build it with hammer and nails. He said it with his mouth. He created things with his mouth. Let there be light and there was light. Light appeared because of the words God spoke. He created it all with words. And I want to tell you that God's word still has power today. It still has creative power when it's in your mouth. God's power has not diminished in the last few thousand years. He is the same, like it says in Hebrews 13:8. yesterday, today, and forever. So we need to do what the Lord does, call the things that are not as though they are. We need to get our sword out and speak God's word into our circumstances. We have to declare it. We have to prophesy it. And new things will be created in Jesus' name. We have to take the responsibility because we have been given the authority by the Lord to speak God's word 
into situations in order to bring change. He has given us the authority. Remember, Jesus said to his disciples, I have given you authority over all the enemy's power. You will walk on snakes and scorpions. You will crush them under your feet and nothing shall in any way do you harm. Luke 10, 19. So we have got to speak things out. If you're in a financial need, you speak out the word of God to bring change. My God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19. Maybe you have a health need. You speak the word of God to bring change. And the Bible says, I am the Lord who heals you. Exodus 15.26. And you speak it over yourself. Maybe you have a problem in your family. You've got a kid who's away from God. You speak the word over him or her in prayer. You don't have to say it to their face. You speak the word of God and you say something like Isaiah 54.13. All your children will be taught by the Lord and great will be their peace. Put their name into it. Thank you, Lord, that Cyril will be taught by the Lord and great will be his peace. In other versions, instead of great will be their peace, instead of taught by the Lord, it says, be a disciple of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, that Cyril will be a disciple of the Lord and he will have great peace in Jesus' name. We don't have to lay down and die under our circumstances. We need to rise up and take up our sword and use it in Jesus' name. But so many believers do not do this and they would prefer to stay a victim. You don't have to be a victim. There are many people here today who maybe have never heard about spiritual warfare or using the word of God to combat the devil. Or maybe you used to do it years ago and you've just fallen out of practice. But some here may have never used the sword of the word of God, the sword of the spirit to do battle over areas like poverty or sickness or family problems. You might think, oh, well, this is my lot in life. I have to accept it. But God says no. He wants to teach you how to do battle. He wants you to learn how to be a mighty warrior for him. He wants you to stand and use the authority that you have been given. So if you're fighting sickness or poverty or family relational problems, take up your sword in Jesus' name. I can remember when we did this, um, when Pastor James was diagnosed with cancer 10 years ago, um, in a couple of months, it'll be 10 years, and I asked him if I could share about it, and he said, yeah, sure. And um, we heard he had um, cancer and he had to have an operation to get it removed from near his bowel. And so... Um, as I was driving up to the hospital, we were all visiting him and praying with him before he went in for surgery. And I just got that word from the Bible that God spoke to Hezekiah after Hezekiah had been told he was going to die. And um, so I, I said that word over James. I felt like the Lord was saying it over him. And it was, I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. And I will heal you. And on the third day, you will go to the temple of the Lord. And I will add 15 years to your life. And what I loved about it was when I said that to Pastor James, he goes, oh, I don't want 15, I want to live to 100. And I was like, yeah, James, come on. That's the spirit. He's watching right now online. Turn around and wave to the camera. God bless you, Pastor James. We love you. And, you know, we have got to be ready. At 2 Kings 20, verse 5 and 6, and all the family were praying and declaring scriptures. Remember, Sharon had them all around the hospital room. And the Lord did turn up and the Lord did heal Pastor James. Praise the Lord. If the band could join me, that'd be great. We've got to learn how to fight with the word, with the sword. Jesus did this too. When he fought the devil in the wilderness, 
in Luke 4, Satan came against him three times when he was in the wilderness, but three times Jesus cut him down with the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Jesus said, it is written, it is written, it is written, all, all of them from the law, from Deuteronomy, that he had memorized, he had hidden them in his heart. Did you know Jesus was into scripture memory? He didn't have to go, oh, oh, hang on, Lucifer, just wait a minute, I've got a pocket New Testament on my, in my robe somewhere. Oh, here it is, I know there's a verse in here about this somewhere. He didn't say, hang on, hang on, hang on, Lucifer, I'll just, uh, just get my phone out and uh, Bible app, um, I know there's a, I'll find a verse of it. No, he had it in him. If we put the Word of God into our hearts and we don't need it, the Holy Spirit will bring it out when we do need it. If we put it in when we don't need it, He can bring it out when we do need it. We need to follow Jesus' example here in Scripture memory. Bring back the Scripture on the toilet door. On the screens right now, we've got the YouVersion Bible app with a QR code coming up. Now, this has many, many... Um, Bible reading plans on it that might help you and you, you know it can it does all these things to help you stay accountable and stay on track to read your Bible every day so you can uh, take a photo of that right now or you can look up the YouVersion Bible app it's also there's heaps of Bible apps but this is one that's really prolifically used all around the world from Craig Rochelle's team at Life Church in the States and it's fantastic it's got so many different versions on there it'll read it to you it's amazing. I also have these, which the hosts are going to stand right at the back doors as we leave and give these out if you'd like to take one. If you don't need one, maybe your kid does. It's a Bible reading tracker for the bookmark in your Bible. And it's just got uh, the New Testament and Psalms and Proverbs. But if you read the New Testament and Psalms and Proverbs, just one chapter a day, that'll get you through all of that in one year. How cool is that? And I often say to people, if you're not reading anywhere in your Bible yet or to new Christians, start in John. There's only 21 chapters. If you read a chapter a day, that's three weeks of Bible reading right there. It gets you into a great habit. And um, I used to always say to my kids, a chapter a day keeps the devil away. You know, it's good, it's good habit. It's not about how much we read. It's about going online with God every day and forming a habit of that daily bread that we need. And, you know, you, it doesn't matter where you start on this, but you could start in John. And then I say to people, after John, you've already got a habit because you've been doing it for three weeks. Go straight on into Acts, and that's 28 chapters, which is four weeks. You've got a seven-week Bible reading program right there. So take one of these, and if you already have your own Bible reading program going and you're already disciplined to do that every day, that is great. Well done, you. But maybe take this for someone you're discipling or a new Christian or one of your kids or grandkids, something like that. Or if you'd rather do it on your phone, get into this version stuff. We have to hold strong to the sword. We have to take up our swords again. Don't ever let Bible reading drop off in your life. Choose to be in the Word every day. Stand firm on the Word God has given you and the battle you are facing. Stand on the scriptures the Lord has given you in faith. Stand on them, speak them out, declare them, prophesy them and fight the devil with them. Declare them out loud over your life in the prayer closet. Let's stand this morning. You do not have to live defenseless, weaponless, 
a victim and vulnerable to attack. Jesus has equipped you with a sword, the Word of God. Don't ever let one day go by without your sword strapped on and ready. Are you ready to take up your sword again? Thank you, Lord. Let's close our eyes. I know there are people here who need to take up their sword again. I want to open the altar for two things. For people who need to take up their sword again. And also, there are people here and you are going through a battle right now. Maybe it's a health battle. Maybe it's a financial lack battle. Maybe it's a relational battle with that boss at work or with your kid or something in your household or family. And God wants to bring victory into your heart and into your life. If that's you, I want you to come for either of those two things. Don't stay in your seat. You are taking up your sword again after not having it for a while, or you're going through a battle and you need a victory with the sword of the Spirit in that battle. If that's you, come now. Thank you, Lord, for your victory. Thank you, Lord, you give us strength in the battle. You give us the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In Jesus' name, there is victory for us. We don't have to be a victim. We can stand firm as soldiers in the army of the living God. We don't have to be vulnerable, weaponless, defenseless. We can stand on Your Word. And having done all else, stand. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go.